Welcome back to part two of this podcast. There are serious um, and abstract parts, facets to your creativity. So let's go to the next video, which is going to be basically from this point to the end of the piece that's called Slow. Um, there's so much in this that is so fascinating, and I think it was sort of like an evolution for you as a creator. Um, Which you don't see here, but I really was experimenting this point in ice skating without ice. So there's a lot we'll of gliding we'll that we were experimenting with that I still use today slightly. Um, but obviously not here, but I really experimented with leverage and in, in, in being able to glide on the floor in different positions and We'll actually see it in a minute, which is one reason why I chose the clip. But also, this stage set was bizarre. Well, it, the, there was no way out except in the back, so they're all like, they couldn't leave on either side of the stage because it was blocked off. And there's all these passageways. And the, the, the eclipse throughout the whole ballet, you see it, you don't notice it, but it, it does an entire eclipse throughout the ballet, it, uh, the moon which was stunning. And again, Sandra would all design. And one of the things that I've observed about you over all these years, and as much of the audience, is that you do love to play with a thematic movement. Mm -hmm. And I know this skating movement that we're going to see really soon here. Um, I saw it, there it goes, in the back. Yeah, someone, another choreographer said, and he meant as a compliment, that you, you can do more steps with one or movement, take one movement and make an entire ballet out of it more than anyone I know. And I went, I hope that's good. <laughs> <laughs> but I, uh, you did a piece in Salt Lake City, which I think was Book of Alleged Dances. Yeah. And you used this yes, exactly, in that. Exactly, exactly. But what percentage of your works, if you could guess, mm-hmm. um, is this abstract or plotless it's hard to say i lose again lose track in my old age i keep going old age but no i it's it's probably half and half um but i tend to go more towards the storyline or character study works which is not a a method in vogue right now doing ballets about people and character studies it's a it's an agent of of abstraction now and but i'm trying to defy that (laughs) So, yeah, that just, um, it was a great piece. I remember I loved it. Uh, you did another piece called Connotations. Right. S- yeah, a couple years, one way right. or the other. That was also a serious, exactly, more or right. less abstract. And, and yeah. Again, character studies, relationships, pas de deux. I think everyone's going to be expecting to see the next clip. Um, you'd wonder if I'd lost my mind if I hadn't included it. Um, let's go right ahead. And this is when I was going to get, well, get you to comment about several different things. But one of them is going to be Sandra Woodall. Mm-hmm. It's a very dark ballet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oops. Whoops. Evelyn Cisneros. <laughs> in case you couldn't guess, this is the, how many companies do this? Oh, and counting. It's, it's. Going on 25, 30 companies, it's just really, at least 
it's being performed at least twice a year since it's been done by some company somewhere. The ballet that won't die. <laughs> <laughs> um, this is, of course, Lambarena. And in this piece, you pulled together an amazing number of the elements that I think are right. um, striking about your career. Again, this is a... I was inspired by the music first, which was African rhythms of traditional African and uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. Uh, and it was a ballet that the music was dedicated to Albert Schweitzer, who was a Bach enthusiast and scholar. And he had a missionary in Gabon, which is uh, with Lambarene with an E. So it was dedicated to him. So it's really the colors of Africa and, and the cut of uh, Bach's era, uh, Western. Western, you know, with the quinta cloth, but the painting of Africa and the colors of Africa. So it was really a, and I hate the word fusion, but it was. And Sandra Woodall did an amazing job with the design. It was uh, really working with the African dance consultants, um, and myself bringing in influences to help me you know, and help with the dancers. So it was classical ballet and African dance, which is unheard of. I still get in trouble to this day doing it, but it's okay. Um, but say, it really using uh, outside influences are really important. Yeah, say more about the, the um, African dancer coaches. It, wherever it goes, uh, if it's new, the African dance consultants, Zach Doof and Naomi Jito Washington, they have a company, Diamnakuro, in the East Bay. They travel with me everywhere, whether it be in Scotland, to South Africa, to Singapore, or wherever. And they teach African dance to the classical dancers. Um, before we start with the ballet, to really so they can understand that influence. It's difficult. It's a, we're used to up in the air. Classical dance is ethereal, up, up. And African is into the ground indefinitely and isolating hips. And we're used to being uh, solid, you know, don't move your hips so you can turn. And so it's quite extraordinary, the whole process. And what I'm more proud of is the outreach programs that have been uh, invented from this ballet that goes out in the schools and bring in students uh, to bring in and dance with the, the dance uh, classical dancers and going out to the schools and showing classical dance and African dance, teaching two different cultures, the similarities and differences. So it really, there's huge programs surrounding it that I'm, I'm so proud of. There's been, since its conception, when was it done? It was this 13 or 14 years ago. Dancers have come from inner schools or schools that have not been exposed to dance and are now dancers and exposed to it through this ballet. So it was very important that, that the ballet still be done, if not for that reason. There are a couple of other elements um, I want you to say more about bringing in the coach, the, the uh, consultant, mm -hmm. in other ways. And this may be a segue into talking about this year's, well, the last two years, right. work that you've done for San Francisco Ballet, the Ibsen's House. And, um, I mean, so, so let's just parking lot that for a minute. The other thing I really want you to talk about by way of leading up to the Ibsen piece is Sandra Woodall mm -hmm. and what an artist she is. And she's been probably your most constant collaborator. Probably 90% of the ballets. I've done about 60 ballets now, which is weird. But have been 
designed by Sandra Woodall. Even if Sandra doesn't design them, she, we always talk about the ballets. I mean, she's, she's actually brilliant, bringing, coming up with thoughts and ideas. And again, she's a great collaborator, being involved from the very beginning, wanting to know the music, wanting to know the choices of music, um, talking about color and talking about you know, amounts of dancers. Is it abstraction? Is it a storyline? Is it, you know, so it's really talking through things. Um, at the moment, we're talking through probably four different ballets, maybe five, that are going to be produced in the next two or three years. So we skip back and forth. So you're not just thinking of one ballet. We're thinking of five at the same time. And then with me, trying to compartmentalize all of that is crazy. But she's brilliant. She's able to do that. So she's very, again, I keep saying great collaborator in that way. That, and again, she, and then she's designing for other people too, and she does the same for them. But it's, we're constantly evolving, constantly working on things, and not just one thing at, at a time. You have to be on top of it. And we're, we're working on probably some works that will be done in 2011, 2012 as well. So it's really important. I'm always impressed by the scope of her gifts. Mm-hmm. She did Lombarena. Yes. Um, she did the Ibsen, which is another place, another time, and they are very literal mm-hmm. costumes. Mm-hmm. And in a second, we're going to be looking at that. Um, and then she's done a whole series of sort of abstractions. And I remember she designed a ballet many years back, and her it was just going to be an abstract piece. And she said, oh, I took my inspiration from pansies. Yeah. And then she did um, the introduction of Allegro that Tom Rood did, and her, in, her inspiration was orchids. It, you walk down the street yeah. with her, you almost get mad because she's like a little kid. She picks up things and it puts them around like, like a leaf. Or the, I mean, the, the, the inspiration for the set to Lumberena were leaves. And she was picking up leaves. I go, what are you doing? And she would look at them like... What's in the bug's life with the light? Stay away from the light. It's glazing, glazing over. And she's looking at the veins in the leaf. And it's like a skeleton. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> We're going to start with the video that we have of the Ibsen piece. Again, this is uh, Molly Smolin and Teet Helmets. They're, they're from the opening last season. They're portraying um, a doll's house. Uh, Nora and Tesman, I think the names are. And again, it's these were dancers that collaborated with me from the very beginning and working on character. And it is really not a storyline. I'm telling five different plays, and it's a character study on five different women from his Victorian era of challenging the morals of Victorian women of the time. He was the, really the the first feminist, they would call him. And he basically was run out of town. I mean, he just, critically, they just did not appreciate him, especially challenging morals of women of the time. Uh, This is Hedda Gobbler, where you don't discuss, a woman would never, uh, as a way out, commit suicide. And if it did happen, you didn't discuss it. And he did. He, He brought things out in the open that nobody would dare touch. And, and the ballet is really about that. And even if you don't know the five plays, that's fine. I didn't mean it to be. It really is a character study on that, hence Ibsen's House, which is a play on a doll's house. 
So it really is five plays from his Victorian era. Who, who was her partner? That was David R.C. David R.C. And this is... This is from Ghosts. This is uh, Garen, and- Garen Scribner. Garen Scribner. And um, uh, Dana Genshaft, Ghosts. And this, in this... This is Anthony Spaulding. As I said, and, we're going to flip around a little bit. It does settle down. At, and Nicole Grand, and they're playing in a play that's rarely seen at all. It's called Rosmersholm. And, I'm sorry, who's the woman? Uh, that is uh, Nicole Grand. Ah. With Anthony Spaulding? Yes. And it's probably interesting to note that something I would love you to talk about is how you have pulled dancers from the back row of the core... From yeah. your very first work. You're going to see tonight, and what's been great about this ballet, um, for various reasons we've been having to mix and match uh, casts, but you're going to see some incredible dancing by core members that you normally would not see, and they're brilliant. They're wonderful. And tonight, uh, in this role, um, Kendall Teague is going to perform it for the first time. Um, but it's great to have young dancers being able to portray characters is not doesn't happen enough and for them to be so hungry to do this and spend so much time even on their own doing research and asking and, and working on it it's it's been just amazing interrupt this is garen and this is garen uh, anderson uh, garen scribner oh, garen scribner and uh dana and, and this is a mother and son they they were both promoted to soloist this season and um it was just, I think, to see them perform so exquisitely in your piece, you may have nudged that along. I hope so. I hope so. Here, I swear, when I saw Hamlet and Ophelia mm-hmm. again, mm-hmm. It, I think it was foreshadowing this piece, your right. use yeah, of very possible. choreography, movement, emotion, storytelling. Uh, and in the third movement, uh, it, first movement is portraying the five women in their, as a character study for the five women. The second movement is the relationships with the men. And in the third movement, the book's closed. The men are reacting, which you, would, they, you don't read. So this is as if this is their reactions afterwards. So it's the no more pages. This is my interpretation of what they might be feeling And the music is Dvorak. It's a piano quintet. Um, it also is uh, challenging is that there's no conductor. So when you see the quintet down there, they remember, we've been working with the dancers, the tempi, the tempo. And it's, it's very tricky. It's very challenging because you don't have that conductor watching the dancers and watching the musicians. So it's very, very difficult. Uh, who is the pianist? Is it Roy Bogus? Uh, Roy Bogus, yeah. I recently learned that Roy Bogus has been performing with San Francisco Ballet since the late 1950s. Which is amazing. When yeah. he toured to on the international tours with the company. But when you see the costumes, uh, when Sandra put up these designs, most people said it's impossible. The men will not be able to move in these. Uh, obviously, they can. I mean, again, it's how it's the weight of the fabric. It's how it's cut. I mean, it's so important that the dancers are comfortable. And even these dresses, they look like they're heavy. They're lighter than most costumes they, they wear, usually. 
Um, it's, they're constructed so well, um, and they move well. But the ladies love dancing in them. I mean, it looks like they're heavy, and they aren't, they're not. And again, that's Sandra Woodall. She also did the set, which is a giant window, which we saw in a movie of ghosts, where it's, most of it is lit through windows. And that's where she got the inspiration from it. We could probably open it up for questions. There was one more thing I wanted you to talk about, and that is back to you. You're using a consultant. You used a consultant. Oh, I used uh, yes. I I was inspired by this because I worked on a uh, Christmas girl. No, a doll's house production at ACT and worked with their dancer. There's a big uh, uh, dance scene uh, where Nora is it Nora? Yes. Um, has, is, has to dance a tarantella, and, and Carrie invited me to choreograph this, and again fell in love with the play, and started reading more of Ibsen, and then been working with her ever since on many different plays, and I used her as a consultant. Carrie came in, I don't know if you know her, she's got this energy, like, unbelievable, and she actually came in and coached the dancers, which is so rare on character, and who they are, and what they're thinking about. We don't get that basically in our, you know, we're rehearsing steps, you know, and I, I do give as much as I can, but when I know my limitations, I bring in people to help, and I think it's so important that, you know, my ego isn't so big, I, I know everything, and I know I don't, which is, I guess it's good, but she came in, and she was so gracious, she's, she's seen this about five times, and, uh, yeah, and so it's, it's been great, and collaborating with her. And we're actually collaborating on a project that we're co-writing a play that is with some San Francisco ballet dancers, some actors from her company. It's a character study. It's all through music. It's called right now the Tosca Project. So it's, we're, and it's going to actually probably be produced in 2010. So I'm writing a play. <laughs> Which, co-writing. But anyway, yeah, just it, all this just starts coming back by collaborating and, and talking and working with each other. So you never know where your next inspiration may be. Well, I'm hoping that some of you will have some questions for Val as we wrap up. We have about five more minutes. So um, would someone like to kick off with a question for Val? Um, that hand went up first. There's a, the question is to just take us to your educational, educational. training background. Um, I studied music most of my life. I did, was not exposed to dance. Um, exposed to theater in high school. And, and it was, so it was mostly music. And then went away to college and studied theater, speech education. I know you can't tell, but uh, English. Uh, so, again, my background is mostly music and theater. And then a dance company came through Washington State University, where I spent three years there. And I took a dance class, um, of which I've never taken a dance class in my life. And it was a ballet class. And this woman says, where have you studied before? And I go, I've never studied. And then she sort of said, well, why? You should really consider it. And so I came here. Oh, my parents almost killed me. They, oh. I quit college and came here to audition for a ballet school. I lied and said I was 16. I was probably, said I think I was just turned 21. I got a Ford Foundation scholarship, and within a year, they put me in the company here. Uh, 
So I'm still, that's why I keep saying I'm pinching myself. This is really weird. Um, but I started out doing mostly character roles, the acting roles, and then progressed to her technically. I could partner. I could always partner. So I got roles because I could partner, lift anybody. Um, but then I got more, is it the word proficient? Technically, that I was able to do some really incredible roles. And I, I'm still in some great balancing roles and in... I loved it, but I never wanted to be the prince. I just died. If they, anyone suggested I be the cavalier nutcracker, I'd break out in hives. It just wasn't my thing. And then just started working as a choreographer on, with kids. And, and so it just sort of progressed into this. I've been with the company 35 years now, and most people don't know this. I'm still signed. I know it says principal character dancer, but I'm still full-time dancer. I've never... Even the union in New York is going, what is going on? You're too old. You're like, like I'm the oldest living union ballet dancer in the world. So it's like, it's crazy. And they hand me the contract every year. I shouldn't be talking like that. But anyway, I go, you really want me to sign this? All right. But, you know, it's, I love the fact that I've been here 35 years and able to travel. Helgi's been great. He's been allowing me to go and do my work elsewhere. So we're able to do a schedule that's, that's, that's wonderful. But I hope that answers your question. I sorry. Um, another question, maybe? Yes. <laughs> the question is, when you are doing some of these roles, many of these roles, is it ever appropriate or does it ever just happen that you actually coach younger dancers? I, I do on the side because there's usually not enough time for that choreographer or, you know, I, I try to be respectful. But... Absolutely, yes. I mean, there are some tricks of the trade that if they're not told, you just, I zero in on it and I go right to them. Yeah, I love doing that. Don't ask me to teach ballet class. I hate it. But I will coach, I will work with any, you know, dancers on acting or or even eye contact because not enough time is spent with choreographing where your eyes are, who you look at. Because it's so important who you look at. And that's part of the acting thing. And you go, because so many times you glaze over. And if you're glazing over, the audience says no. And so I do a lot of that with them. Absolutely. I think we'll take one more question, and then we really will have to let you all go off to your performance. But let me see another hand. Tosca Project. Are there going to be any more performances of that, workshop performances? No, I think we've stopped that. We may be doing some studio performances, but we found in we know what we don't like and like. We've been working on this for a year and a half, and half of it will be thrown out. We, we're going on some different tangent, but we find when you're trying to throw out a performance, you're pushing in things just to get continuity and context, things that you're not going to use. So you're reteaching different people aspects of a piece that you're really not going to use. And so we're now we're just going into the studio and working things out. But yeah, it just, it becomes more of a burden in, at this point, where it was great. We really found what we didn't like and what we did like in that. I'm not used to doing workshops. In theater, you do workshops. We're not used to that. We, we have five weeks, you've got to do a masterpiece right there, and it's a little unfair. And when I'm going to the theater world, you do a year and a half of, or two years of workshops, and then you do previews, Previews? <laughs> what are previews? And then you may take it on the road and try things out. We don't have that luxury. So this is amazing to me. This is a learning curve for me. But and I always get a angry on uh, 
criticizing ballets too soon because it really, we don't get previews. We don't get that luxury. Previews was it's, last year. Preview is on stage. and That's it. Your, your dress rehearsal, that's your preview. So, <laughs> and again, Ibsen's house is stronger this year than it was last year. And because you get more in your belt, I fix things. We took it on tour. And, you know, you, you tweak every year. Well, we're going to have to wrap it up now. Um, this has been an absolutely marvelous conversation with Val Canaparoli, choreographer of Ibsen's House, which is appearing on Program 2 of the San Francisco Ballet season. I want to thank you all, urge you to go to the website, check the podcasts, check the calendar for upcoming events. And now I can say a huge thank you, Val. This has been fabulous. Thank you.